Hello, witches and wanderers. My name is Missa. And my name is Katie, and welcome to the Baby Witch Podcast. Hi, Katie. Hey, Missa. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, Got some yard work done today, so I know I'm going to be sore tomorrow, but I'm feeling pretty good about myself today, and I'm excited to start spending more time outdoors now that the weather, weather is nice. Yay, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I have been fully immersed in Lindsay Mack's tarot course, um, Tarot for the Wild Soul. I was lucky enough, I had saved up a bunch of money to pay my taxes, and I ended up not needing to pay as many taxes as I thought I would. So I, you know, kind of splurged and did her course this year. And it's a lot of work, but it's really fulfilling, and I'm enjoying what I'm learning. But it, yeah, it's like, I kind of was like, eh, it's not going to be that bad and ignored it for two days. And then I came back to it and I saw how much work it was. And I was like, oh, crap. And (laughs) I've been hoping to get caught up. So Awesome. That's so exciting for you. I have you tell me all about it, but I know that she has you sign like a non-disclosure. So, well, and I do want to address that because it sounds like I'm not grateful when I've talked about her course and courses in the past. And I am extremely grateful for her and artists do deserve money. And I don't didn't want to sound that way like I was resentful of her for charging money for her knowledge, but also like just generally capitalism bugs me. And part of why I'm doing this podcast is because I like, you know, knowledge to be free and without outside of a paywall. And so it's like, like I appreciate her and I know that you should pay artists, but also like it is kind of against my nature to not just freely give out information that I have for myself. So I understand completely. Um, But she also does have a lot of free resources. Um, She has her own podcast. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, she has some less expensive um, courses and some of her courses have scholarships offered as well or discount prices Mm -hmm. if you sign up early. So there's definitely options there. Um, I'm also an anti-capitalist during this whole thing. Um, you know, everyone's like, we need to reopen the economy. And I'm like, oh, I don't actually give a crap if we reopen the economy because um, I think capitalism is bad. We should just never reopen capitalism. <laughs> yes, like capitalism, like I keep saying that we're in late stage capitalism and people look at me strangely, but yeah, we're in late stage capitalism and things are falling apart because we have let capitalism go so far that we value we don't value human life the way we should. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today. Um, (laughs) But we are wanting to record this. um, We're on a little bit of a time crunch. And uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a longer episode. So why don't we just jump on into it? Uh, We've talked, uh, one of our very first episodes was talking about religion and witchcraft and how they intermix with each other. And so today we want to talk about sort of more the pagan side of witchcraft and working with deities within witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's at, going back to that episode. Like I've been, I think maybe we should have a once a year episode where we like go back over things like episodes from the last year and talk about things that we've learned and how we've grown since recording those episodes. Cause like, I know during that episode, I kind of said like, 
paganism or neo-paganism was specifically about following one path. But since then, like I've been learning a lot of stuff and now I really understand a whole lot more about the definition of paganism and all this stuff. And anyway, that's just another, maybe we should do that for our one year anniversary. Yeah, that's an amazing um, idea. I love that. Um, again, that's the whole point of this yeah. podcast is that we are we're learning with all of the listeners. Um, so this is a journey mm-hmm. for us. We're not just, we're not teachers uh, this is a community of learning. And that, so that's why we always ask you um, at the end of the episode to reach out to us um, because we love to learn from you all as well as, as whatever we can teach to you guys or to you all in the episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So paganism, there are pagans who just worship nature or do animism where like, you know, they worship the spirit of a plant or the spirit of the tree but there are also pagans and wiccans and general witches who work with the deities be they you know there's some witches who work with jesus christ there you know are some witches who work with you know the buddha and stuff like that but also there's all of these ancient pagan um pre-christian uh gods and goddesses that a lot of them work with. yes and i think that's really popular um when you listen to different witches talk in modern day a a lot of the witches that at least i follow uh, they're on the pagan side they work with deities maybe they don't worship deities and we will get into that uh, but they definitely work with them within their practice so i think that's important to Mm -hmm. one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it is because it's something that we see a lot so we know it's something that you see a lot and it is something that is within both Mm -hmm. of our practices yes and Yeah, there's, I mean, there are some people who straight up, you know, like Diana Wicca, they talk to Diana, they think that she is a bona fide God as real to them as the Christian God is to Christians. Um, But other times, you know, you just work with gods and goddesses as archetypes. I know I certainly do. Um, There are some gods and goddesses that like have a little bit more of a spiritual presence in my life. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, there's also this idea of working with like Artemis. Artemis is the archetype of this wild um, huntress who doesn't bow to any man. Um, and so if you want to harness that kind of energy, you can work with her to rewild yourself or, you know, it like go out into the woods and go camping or, you know, just be very sovereign and independent. Yeah. Um, so one thing before we get too far or before we get started i we want to give a quick little little disclaimer um and we want to encourage people to work with deities within their own ancestry or within um or or work with deities that have had a their worship revived and what i mean by that is the loa and the orishas are very popular right now um in in popular culture and there's a, a lot of information about them out there but those are very sacred deities and not just those but uh, using them as an example very sacred deities to marginalized communities and white people have stolen their their lives their land their language their legacies and so i think unless um you know it, it is in your ancestry or if you're invited in um it's it's okay to research them to learn more about them but i wouldn't necessarily include them in your practice again unless it's within your ancestry and or, or that you've been invited in. so just be very mindful when when choosing which deities to work with that you're not again stealing from a culture that um, 
has already had much of their history stolen from them. Yes, and as we have discussed before, going back to the Loa and the Orisha, you know, in the United States, those are primarily associated with religions of the descent or religions that have descended from slave culture and being a slave. So as a white person, it's all kinds of disrespect to take that and appropriate it for yourself and say, this belongs to me when this was really a spiritual ally to help people survive being enslaved and black people survive being enslaved. Yes, absolutely. That being said, though, I would definitely encourage people to to read about them. There are a lot of uh, there's a lot of great literature coming out about religions. Um, again, religion that's come up from um, from American slavery or traditional African religions, Caribbean tr- religions, things like that. Um, and I would support you reading about them because a lot of those books are written by people of color. And I think it's really important that we lift up their voices. So even if we're not in, including it in our practice, um, we're, we're gaining that knowledge from them. So that's not something that we're going to be teaching mm-hmm. or, or talking about just because we're not the right people to talk to you about that. The right people are out there and we would encourage <laughs> you to look into them. Yes. And, you know, that can be a really big, like the idea of trying to figure out what goddesses and gods to work with can be a really big thing but you know just kind of look back on your own ancestors because um and think about the regions that they lived in because people you know for example um one of the parts of my heritage that I connect most strongly to is my French heritage because the grandparent I'm closest to is my French grandmother and culturally that's very much how I work But, um, you know, when you think like there's no French gods and goddesses, but what a lot of people don't realize is that France was a big center of Celtic activity. So you can go to the Celtic gods and goddesses from there. Um, And really, you know, the Celts were all the way from Austria through the north of Italy and Switzerland um, into Spain and France and then up into the British Isles. So if you're from any of those regions, that's Celtic. Um, the Norse gods and goddesses actually are, were transferred into Anglo-Saxon and the Germanic peoples. So the Germanic peoples and Anglo-Saxons and the Nords all kind of shared the same gods and goddesses. Um, they got written down and put historically in a record by the Nordic peoples because they, you know, they were still pagan at the time that writing stuff down was Um, becoming more normalized and so that's why we associate those with the Scandinavian countries but um, you know if you're of Germanic heritage those are the gods and goddesses you would work with there's also an entire Slavic pantheon if also a lot of these regions got conquered by the Romans so you can work with Roman gods and goddesses and also like I work with Roman gods and goddesses, but I use the Greek names because that's how I associate with them more. And I know a lot of people say that they're different, but I don't really see the difference because they just stole them. Um, But yeah, there's also, if you're of Middle Eastern heritage, there are, you know, ancient Babylonian and Assyrian gods and goddesses you can work with. There's, there are, you know, Egyptian gods and goddesses, but though I think those should mainly be saved for people of color personally. Um, But yeah, there's a lot there's a lot for you to work with even amongst like white people. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and again, when we're thinking ancestors, we're not just thinking 
great grandparents, great, great grandparents, you know, this could be your ancestors from before the birth of Christ. So you do have a lot of, of pagan deities inside your own ancestry. And that's why we would encourage you to, to go there first. All right. Mm -hmm. So we actually want to start before we get into specific deities about talking about gods and goddesses and just working with the archetype. Um, so just working, mm -hmm. maybe you just have a single God and a single goddess and they don't have names. You just refer to them as the God and the goddess, similar to Christianity has just the one God. And for the most part, he ugh, is usually just referred to as God. So that might be your practice. You might have one God, one goddess. Um, you might just have the one goddess. That's also fine. Maybe you're a monotheistic pagan. I don't know very many that aren't Christian witches, but maybe you just have one God who's not the Christian God. Um, maybe you even have a, a God X, a non-binary or, or God, a deity without a gender. That is totally an option. And they don't have to fit into that. I'm going to say mythology just uh, uh, for the term, but I don't mean to say that these are, are myths and that they're, they're not real, um, but within a specific mythology. So, you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to work with specific deities. You might just work with, you know, a goddess or a goddess or something like that, especially if you're working with the wheel of the year, things like that, a god and a goddess might make more sense to you even if they don't have names from a specific mythology. Mm -hmm, exactly. And that's actually what you see in Wiccan practice. They don't necessarily have a pantheon of, you know, five different gods and goddesses. They have a god and a goddess. And you, most of the time what ends up happening is there's this overall archetype of the goddess. And then they choose one specific goddess to be an embodiment of that for them. So, you know, say if they're working in the Celtic pantheon, they might choose Bridget to be their representation of the goddess. And then if they then go and then they'll do go and do the same thing for the God. So there is a overall arching idea of what the God is. And then they'll choose one specific God to represent that. Working within the Celtic pantheon, again, they might choose the Dagda or Mananan or something like that. So there's... There is kind of this idea of working within an archetype. And I, I mean, I, I apologize, I'm not a Wiccan, um, but I just know from experience, like on their altars, there will be a god and a goddess. There will be one goddess figurine and one god figurine. Yeah, so. or or they might have, or, or they, or you, and we're not trying to say that to otherize anyone, this might be a practice that works for, you, for our listeners. Um, so you might have maybe a, a single goddess in your practice and the other goddesses, um are just other names for that for that goddess so you might you know it's different aspects of maybe her personality or of her history something like that so you might work with diana and with um the morgan as two aspects of the same goddess if that kind of makes sense to everyone so it's it's totally up to you however whatever brings you that peace that witchcraft is kind of meant to bring you Yes. And I mean, I personally, so kind of the, my backwards way of going from Christianity into Wicca is that really I'm a polytheist. I think that all religions are kind of different paths to the same end goal and all gods are really just representations of this larger divine power. So to me, like I'm working with all these different 
I work with all these different goddesses and gods, but they're, you know, kind of just small archetypes that represent kind of like a nub of what the divinity is, if that's a good way to phrase that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we, we do both come to witchcraft from Christianity. So our experiences are not going to be the same as everyone else's experiences. We want to make sure that people don't feel that if they don't view things the same way that we do, then it's the wrong way or that ours is the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Again, we, we all have different experiences, but I, I have a similar thought process to you, Katie. And I don't think of, I am also a polytheist. I don't think that anyone's God is the wrong God. So the question is which God goddess Mm -hmm. God X is right for me. And that's how I approach witchcraft. So Mm -hmm. I'm never thinking like, Oh, well that person, you know, they practice with, can't even like think of a deity that I would not want you to practice with like oh well you know they have Mm -hmm. a lot of Zeus in their practice and I don't know I just Zeus doesn't do it for me I don't think that's a god that you should be worshiping or like a god that you should be working with in your practice so that's not my viewpoint at all even if you are someone working with a deity that maybe I don't think vibes with your ancestry I'm not gonna gatekeep and tell you you know you really shouldn't do that um, I might just ask questions, you know, why have you chosen this path? Um, so just, just keep all Mm -hmm. of that in mind. Yes. Yes. And that's the really beautiful thing about witchcraft is that it is, you know, there are a million different paths you can take and it's really just whatever resonates with you. Yeah. Um, so again, we, we talked about, you know, working with just the archetype, maybe just a God and a goddess, or maybe just a god and a goddess, but to like a specific god and goddess. Um, so we also want to talk mm-hmm. about different structures within that. So different archetypes. Um, you'll hear a lot, in, especially in witchcraft, about the triple goddess. So the maiden mother crone. So you might work with the maiden mother crone. Uh, that's very prevalent in my practice. I do have three goddesses that kind of fit into that structure for me. And that not... So I'll work with them interchangeably. So for for instance, Hecate is kind of my crone goddess. So when I need to work with the archetype of the crone, I call on Hecate, if that makes sense to everyone. Um, There's definitely different structures. If the triple goddess doesn't work for you, it doesn't have to. There is an amazing book called Jailbreaking the Goddess that um, Katie got for me. It's by Lasara Firefox Allen. Um, She talks about the archetypes of the... Famella, Potens, Creatrix, Sepentia, I'm not good at these, pronouncing them, and Antiqua is the last last one. Um, the book definitely broadened my ideas of the goddess, uh, but the threefold goddess still, I've decided, works best in my pra- practice. But it's definitely worth mentioning that you don't have to work with a threefold goddess. You can work with a fivefold, a tenfold however many aspects of the goddess work for you. Yes. And I mean, it is kind of important to create your own categories. I know for a lot of people, um, you know, they can't be mothers or they don't have a desire to ever be a mother. So I know you don't personally, but I do know of other people where they just don't want to work with the mother as an archetype for goddesses. Um, And also like, I have some goddesses that I work with and I know intimately where like they're categorized as mother goddesses or maiden goddesses. And it just doesn't make sense. Like 
Persephone is categorized as a maiden goddess, but she's, you know, married. She's not considered, you know, she's not a virgin. And so I have this separate category for the goddesses I work with where they're kind of just like mutable, independent, uncategorized. So that would be like Persephone or Freya. Freya is um, the Norse goddess of uh, love and magic and war um, and she is noted in mythology as being the wife of Odor, um, but that's O-D-R, um, not Odor like <laughs> smells. Um, but she, yeah, but uh, she, okay, so breaking down the beginning of Norse mythology, there were these two sets of gods, the Vanir and the Aesir. Um, they had a war and then they resolved the war and in an attempt to resolve the war, they traded hostages, basically, like some of the Vanir gods went to the Aesir and some of the Aesir gods went to the Vanir. And that is how they were able to resolve, resolve that conflict. The Germanic or Norse deities, as we know them today, are just the Aesir, though. So Freya is one of those Vanir goddesses that were traded as a more, you know, a peacekeeping situation. And so I don't know whether her husband didn't get transferred. There are some other people who think that Freya and Friga are basically the same goddesses. So different names for the same goddess or different aspects for the same goddess. So Friga is the wife of Odin. And so some people think that, you know, Freya or Friga and Odin and Freya and Odir are just, you know, different aspects of the same couple. Anyway, but I digress. In the Nordic pantheon as it is today, um, she doesn't, like her husband's not around. Nobody, like she, I think they say Odir died or he's lost or whatever, but she isn't a mother. She isn't really a wife, but yet she, um, but yet she's associated with being a mother goddess. So yeah. I, don't, I don't really get that. So she's also in that category of like not mother made. Yeah, boyfriend. and so. um, again, I think we'll probably do an episode on just the goddess or the triple goddess, something like that, because the mother goddess for me over the past couple of years has been problematic for me to work with. I'm finally at a stage um, where I'm comfortable working with the mother goddess, but because I don't foresee motherhood in my future as a personal choice, um, it, I, I had a hard time connecting. I, I was no longer really a maiden, um, but I wasn't yet a crone and I was certainly not a mother. So that was hard for me to work with. Um, I think I'll probably talk more about that if we do an episode that's just on the triple goddess or just on kind of the goddess archetypes. But I think that's important to mm -hmm. remember and something that you can learn a lot from in jailbreaking the goddess. Um, so even if you're working with the archetype, it doesn't necessarily have to be what other people view the archetype as. Um, and I don't want to, mm -hmm. again, go into it too much because we do want to, we have a lot to talk about. Um, but so that's, that's mm -hmm. just something to keep in mind. I tried to look into, to see if there were, uh, you know, like a triple God or, or a fivefold God, kind of like we, we talk about with the goddess. Um, I wasn't able to find much, I think probably just my mindset coming from Catholicism where we have the holy trinity the father son and the holy spirit um my mind also would like there to be a triple god near the triple goddess um the closest thing i've heard is 
<laughs> is from Game of Thrones. So they have this. <laughs> I was just thinking. Um, yeah, so in Game of Thrones, they've got this the seven-faced god, which is Maiden Mother Crone, and then the 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 uh, warrior father Smith, which the warrior father Smith does not work for me at all, um, because I would say in kind of the mm -hmm. warrior at aspect, the, the pre-father aspect for me would be the god I work with would be Dionysus, and he's I would not consider Dionysus to be a warrior. Um, so that is actually something I'm working on in my mm -hmm. own practice is the the face of the triple god because I do have more than one god in my practice. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something mm -hmm. I'm personally working with and again, something that you all can can work with as well. That's definitely an option. And you don't have to have a specific structure. Mm -hmm. You could have any number of gods and goddesses in your pantheon that, that works right for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, I mean, the way I work with gods and goddesses is, you know, I'm studying mythology because I didn't know that much about Norse and Celtic mythology. And I'm kind of just working with things that call to me. But also going back to your point, I mean, yeah, I tried doing some research too, and I couldn't find anything about a way to organize gods. Like I kept on finding website after website and sometimes they organize them as like, these are the sky gods. These are the nature fertility gods. These are the, you know, father archetype. These are the, um, you know, it, it kind of, they organize them that, that way. But also going back to Game of Thrones, I actually weirdly like the way that Game of Thrones organizes their gods, especially because of the stranger. They have this idea of the stranger, which is this, you know, genderless, god which i really wish there were more of yes i i um, actually love the idea of a seven-faced god yeah. and not exactly the same way that game of thrones has it or or a seven-fold god and i've tried mm -hmm. to incorporate something like that into my practice but yeah the the idea of a a deity without gender is really fascinating um there's some thought to mercury being kind of a queer god um and maybe not mm -hmm. i mean mercury is often depicted as male and is considered a god and not necessarily a goddess but that's one thing that i'm working on in my own practice right now is is mercury as maybe like a non-binary queer god or, or queer deity um so maybe i'll get back to you all on that later on yes yes yeah we were actually talking about maybe doing a gay um witchcraft episode for pride month but we realized like i personally don't have know enough about that to really do it justice so i think our plan right now is to sit on it for a year take the next year to do our research and then we will have that for you next pride month yeah pride month 2021 so yeah and if, if you all have practices yeah. um uh, like queer witchcraft practices definitely let us know we'd, we'd love to hear about them especially um, you know, we're both straight passing and we'd love to hear more from, from queer witches out there just in general. So definitely, definitely let us know. Um, and one thing that you mentioned, Katie, that I forgot to bring up earlier. So side note, everyone, we had like a really structured outline for the way we were going to talk about things today. And then we realized that we couldn't access them from our phones while we were recording on our phones. <laughs> so I've just, we're just trying to go by memory. But one thing I wanted to talk about that you brought up Katie was um, 
the archetype of like an earth god or a sky god or something like that, those are also ar archetypes that are might work for your practice. So you might work with a deity, uh, you know, an earth deity, a sun deity, a moon deity, uh, maybe one for every element, maybe one for every season. Um, if you work a lot with like death, uh, the underworld, you might have deities specific to those archetypes. Um, so again, there's, there's a lot out there. Um, a lot of options out there for you to create a practice that suits your life best. Yeah, that's kind of the beauty of it is that you can organize your gods and goddesses however much you want. I pers I wish I could provide some more insight into how to organize gods and goddesses, but right now I am like have this triple pantheon trying to figure out like at first I was like I'm just going to do four goddesses per pantheon, a maiden, mother, not categorical and a crone and then that's just gone to hell because I keep up with goddesses I want to work with and right now I have like 10 goddesses that I'm working with yeah. and it's like I don't don't I can't I think it's right also now, important so to remember that there might be yeah. some deities that you work with daily or weekly or monthly depending on you know the cycle of the moon or if you're a bleeding person your menstrual cycle or something like that um, so there might be deities that you work with regularly. So you might have different like tiers to your pantheon. So you might have, you know, you have the top tier, maybe your, your top seven or your MySpace mm -hmm. top eight. Ooh, I hope our listeners are old enough to know what a MySpace type top eight is. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Missa, you're making us sound old. Um, <laughs> so you might have that tier and then you might have deities that you work with less frequently that are still in your pantheon but maybe aren't your, your daily deities that you're working with. Um, especially I'm trying to think of like some from my practice. So I do work with some underworld deities um, pretty infrequently. So they're there when I need them. They, we have a working relationship, but you know, I'm not working with hell or Persephone on a daily basis, definitely within my pantheon. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I'm working them with them more, um, during like Scorpio season, or if I've had a death in my life or on an anniversary of a death, something like that. So it's also too important to know that, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a deity that you work with, it doesn't have to be, oh, I have to like create an altar the to them all the time, or I can't work with them. Um, it's okay to have deities kind of that you're working with when you need them or when they need you. Well, and an example from my pantheon is I work with the goddess Eridwen, um, mainly because I, my understanding, and I need to do more research on this, I may be incorrect here, but my understanding is her cauldron is the um, foundation for the Celtic idea of the afterlife, which the Celtic idea of the afterlife is something that I have felt intuitively my entire life. And then it was finally articulated to me towards this idea of the Celtic idea of Saradwin's cauldron and reincarnation and um because of that like I just work with her because to me sh her idea of the afterlife is the afterlife but I don't you know I don't really have that as intimate of a relationship with her as I do some other gods yeah goddesses. definitely so. so we also want to mention that there are different ways to incorporate deities into your practice um so you can work with the deities like one would work with a, a Christian God um, in a worship practice, in a spiritual practice. Um, so you can have 
the spiritual connection to a deity. It's also very possible that, again, like we were just saying, you use you work with a deity more as a guide, um, a more give and take relationship. Mm-hmm. And they might assist you in, in spell work or ritual um, or, or something along those lines versus something that someone that you're setting up an altar to all the time or that you're, you're, you're praying to or meditating to constantly. So mm-hmm. you might have, again, when we're talking about tiers of pantheons, mm-hmm. you might have pan- the, um, the deities that are, that you're spiritually connected to. And then the deities that you work with more when you're performing certain rituals or certain spells. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then you can also, um, you know, if you do have an altar, you can leave out offerings. Just if you have a one altar that all your gods and goddesses are on, you can just put them there. Or you can, you know, if you have a single altar for the main deity you work with, you can do that. Just put it on their altar. Um, you could also, because um, I have a teeny tiny altar right now, a lot of my deities are represented through jewelry, like a pin or a necklace or something. And so, you can, you know, if you ever just wanted that embodiment or that energy in your day, you could, you know, put the pin on or wear the necklace that day. Um, and yeah, just, you can meditate with them either as a guide or with your energy. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. there's a lot you can do um, there. So uh, again, there's different different ways to work with the deity. So I don't want anyone to think, again, like like I say, I work with maybe Hell or Persephone, Um around Samhain but I'm not necessarily praying to them or or I don't really have necessarily a, a spiritual connection to them. I mean I mean I do um but they're not in the same part of my spirituality that say like Hecate is even though Hecate is also um one of the darker goddesses um the last thing I think that we want to talk about um and so Katie, I'm going to give you a chance to jump in here. If there's anything else you wanted to mention before we talk about it is um, we've discussed a lot about how to work with the gods and what kind of gods or goddesses, uh, deities that you can work with. But we also wanted to discuss with you something that it, we've dealt with a lot or, or worked with a lot in the past few years. And that's, which gods do you work with or which archetypes do you work with, especially if you're working with specific gods or specific mythologies, mm-hmm. pantheons, things like that. How do you know which, which deity fits in your pantheon? Um, um, I want to talk about kind of three or four main ways um, to, to find a god or goddess. So the first I'm going to talk about is just, or that we're going to talk about is starting from scratch. Um, maybe you are brand new or maybe you've been a practicing witch for a while, but you have only worked with archetypes. You haven't worked with specific deities and you want to start adding specific gods and goddesses to your practice. My best advice in that case would be to, you know, do a ritual like a meditation ritual and just, uh, open yourself up to all deities. Um, or if you have a specific pantheon or specific archetype that you want, so say you you really want to start working with a specific moon goddess, but you're not sure who. So maybe on a full moon, um, that's what you you focus on. You do a ritual, you meditate, you talk to the moon directly, and you ask for a goddess of the moon to reach out to you. 
um, in any aspect of your life or, or just generally say, again, you want a crone goddess that might be a meditation ritual that you do to find a crone goddess that, that works for you. The best advice I have for that though, would also be to definitely do a protection circle or a protection spell beforehand, because there are a lot of deities out there that you might not even know about that you don't want in your practice. And so it's very important, um, to do, you know, to do a ritual or charm something saying, you know, what's in my best interest beforehand. We, we want to make sure that you're all protected from negative mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. Although I do want to make a point that they're, especially in the Gnostic tradition, they do specifically work with demons because demons tend to just be old gods like bast and stuff and they tend to just be old mainly middle eastern gods that were um you know demonized literally by the uh, christian church in an attempt to discredit them and steer people away from worshiping them so i mean if you hear a really scary demon name maybe do some more research because it could be you know an ancient Sumerian yeah. goddess that wants um, to work with you. Definitely. So, I don't want to say yeah. that there's any, and that's my kind of my point is I don't want to say that there's any specific one that you shouldn't be working with. Um, but you might find, like we talked about in the last episode, um, Katie discovered that she should not be working with Hera. Um, so it's just really important that you're mm-hmm. making a point to do what's in your best interest and to, to put that out into the universe that you want to find a, a deity that who's going to work with you within your best interest. Um, so the mm-hmm. next um, option I have, again, I, all of these, I'm going to recommend doing a, a meditation or a ritual uh, is if you want to, if you have a specific deity in mind that you want to work with, um, you know, you might pick a day that's sacred to them. So say you want to work with Freya, Friday is, sacred to Freya. Um, so you might decide, okay, on Fridays, I'm going to meditate to communicate with Freya and see, you know, to ha- open that channel of communication between y- you and, and Freya. And that might be a really good way to see whether or not she's working in your practice. Um, and then I also want to mention with that, Katie, you were talking about doing this with the Morgan is, Uh, the potential to do that for a year and a day. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's kind of the idea. And I'm going to talk more about the Morgan later because that's an entire, (laughs) I didn't pick the Morgan, the Morgan picked me, which is we're going to, that's another story we're going to go into. Um, But yeah, the idea is that you spend a year and a day kind of, focusing on your relationship with that goddess. And this is kind of just something I picked up. I know that there are actual year in a day formal dedications that some traditions do. Um, I did not do that in this case. Um, This is just me kind of making a formal commitment to understanding the Morgan because she has been bugging the shit out of me wanting to talk to me. So this is me kind of acknowledging her and saying like, yes, I am taking you seriously. Please tell me what wisdom or what messages you want. Like, I'm going to be working with you. Like you have my attention. I'm going to be working with you. Um, But yeah, it can involve right now. I'm meditating with her once a week. I'm, I bought her a fancy new statue because Missa very 
graciously got me a Scotty statue for my birthday, but it's quite a large statue. And I had just had like a little raven statue for the Morgan up until this point. Um, and I like I opened it and it was beautiful and it was I'm very grateful I have it. But also one of the first things I thought was like, oh, the Morgan's going to be really pissed off about this. So that's kind of leads into my my the last um, way I, I found personally to discover which deity to work with is just to pay attention. You never know, even if you're not necessarily out there looking for a specific deity, you never know who's out there looking for you. So I, when I first started mm -hmm. my practice, even actually, so, I mean, I really got serious about it about two years ago, but even before then I, I knew that I had a pagan practice inside of me. And so I thought, you know, I, I think I want to work with Gaia and Pan, nature deities. You know, that was who I wanted to work with. I, for the most part, do not work with Gaia and Pan in my, my current practice. I spent about a year and a day with them um, trying to see if that, if they worked for me. And they just didn't. But during that time, uh, other deities were, were reaching out to me. So like Hecate reached out to me in a very interesting way. Uh, we were actually, and this is something that we're still gonna do one day, damn it. So Katie and I and two of our college friends had this idea to get friendship tattoos. And so we were all going to pick a goddess that meant something to us. And so I, you know, we were looking at different symbols and everything and I decided um, that Hecate would be the goddess that I got a symbol for. And then, and it was a, a key. So a key is a symbol of Hecate. And honestly, I have always been fascinated with skeleton keys. I have a ton of skeleton key charms and having a key tattoo, which I don't yet, but one day I swear I will, having a skeleton key tattoo just makes sense to me. Um, in fact, even that Alicia Keys video, I can't think of what it is right now. It's an iconic video where she has the key earrings. I remember being like a teenager and just saying like, I want those. I have to have key earrings. And then I tried it with real keys and they were way too heavy for my ears. <laughs> but that was a way that I think I could say has <laughs> always been reaching out to me. And it wasn't until I was at the stage in my practice where I was working with deities that I realized, oh, I need to be working with Hecate and I've been working with her for years now. Um, again, even before I got really serious about my witchcraft practice. Um, Lilith is also the, uh, the goddess that has reached out to me most recently. And that was during the course of this podcast. When we did our religious witches episode, um, I asked a friend uh, who's Jewish how she incorporates her Judaism with her witchcraft. And she, her primary way was working with Lilith. And so I looked into that. And the more I looked into Lilith, the more I realized, wow, this is, she's for me. Um, and that's actually who I use uh, as the mother goddess mm -hmm. because Lilith doesn't have biological children. That's the whole story of Lilith. Um, she's the mother of demons. And um, that just resonated me with so much. Um, I have a small zoo. I've got two dogs and a cat. And so just the idea of like Lilith, the mother of, of demons or the mother of creatures, like hit me hard. And I realized um, I, I've always been drawn to Lilith. My, my sister's always been drawn to Lilith and my sister's not religious at all. Um, so it's just, I think, uh, important to, 
to be open to God's inviting themselves into your life. And if you don't want them there, that's fine. You, there are certainly rituals mm-hmm. out there that you can, you know, unbind yourself from a deity if, if they're not working for you, but they still keep popping up. Just be open to whoever is, is mm-hmm. out there looking for you. Yeah. And first of all, I think that's a really beautiful way to work with the mother archetype without it actually, you know, being a physical, you know, I gave birth to a human mother. Um, so I'm, and I'm really glad that you found that for yourself. And that's the way that I have also found most of the goddesses I work with, like Artemis and Gaia. I have, you know, I was a nerd who studied a lot of Greek mythology when I was a kid. So I, have always been working with them. But then when I got more into witchcraft, I was thinking about like goddesses that I, you know, knew, which is pretty much just Greek or or Roman goddesses. And so I started working more with Persephone and she kind of called out to me because of the entire underworld. Like she just has such a cool dichotomy with the underworld and the um, springtime dichotomy. Like she's the goddess of both springtime and of death. It's just a it resonates with me in a really large way. And also I, I also recently started working with Hecate just because she's the goddess of witches and that works as well. And then kind of the same, the more I'm studying, the more I started to study Norse mythology, which is the one I started of Celtic and Norse mythology. That's the one that I started studying um, first. And so my pantheon on that front kind of solidified itself much in the same way. Um, and then now I'm working, I'm trying to learn more about Celtic mythology and that same thing is happening. However, before I really knew anything, like before I even had read a single book of Celtic mythology, um, and this was about, oh, I think this started happening in July or August of last year, but I just started seeing flocks of like 40 crows, like seven, like just everywhere and I don't know if this is just one flock in my neighborhood there was one time when I went up to the mountains and all of a sudden there was a clock of 40 crows I just kept on seeing 40 crows and there had been these herbalism courses I was taking um that were uh Celtic centered they were druid herbalism courses um and that practitioner who taught those um had talked about the morgan and how her symbol was the crow and so I was like okay, so maybe this is what's going on, but I was still like, I just don't know enough to do anything about this. And then at the next one of those courses I took, she talked about how one of the Morrigan symbols is the red rose. And that was really shocking to me because I had um, studied abroad in Ireland about 10 years ago when I was 20. And, you know, when you study abroad, especially because I'd gone there with, you know, all these warm clothes for spending fall and winter in Ireland. But when I first got there, it was actually, you know, the end of August, which is the only warm time of year in Ireland, FYI, if you ever want to go there. So I had bought some clothes and, you know, over the years, they'd gotten holes in them or I'd grown out of them or, you know, given them away. But one of the last, like, I think I have two things still from Ireland. And one of them is this dress with red roses all over it. So it was a little shocking to me. And then what I started to do from there, because literally at this point I hadn't studied Celtic mythology at all, but I started to try to dedicate myself to that more thoroughly. Um, And yeah, so I started trying to read it up on her more. um, 
it's actually really interesting because I read this book in mythology where the author said at the beginning, like, look, the way we have most of the Celtic myths is because monks went and wrote them down for posterity's sake, but they were Christian monks. So it's really interesting when you're reading about her in the mythology, she's referred to sometimes as like this war demon, which is very much a Christian demonization of her. But she's, I know it's interesting because the more you learn about her, she's the goddess of war, earth, sovereignty. She's a guardian of Ireland. She's um, associated with magic. She's the goddess of magic. She's associated with livestock. It's, there's also this weird, like, she could be her own goddess, but she could also be part of a triple goddess thing that a lot of Celtic goddesses do. And I'm, I'm just trying to learn more about her at this point and meditate more with her. And it's interesting because some things developed. Um, there's this idea from Norse mythology because Nordic uh, neo-paganism has this issue where also it, you know, they're, mythology was written down in a like kind of pseudo-christian area era they were just starting to become christian and some of their myths were written down by christians so they don't know a whole lot else but you know people have been dedicatedly working with norse gods for a really long time and they have um come up with this idea of the unverified personal gnosis which is this idea that you like this isn't in any, this isn't canon, this isn't written down anywhere, but this is what you have. Um, like this is just for meditation or working with this goddess. This is what you have associated. And an example is um, there's no, there's it doesn't say anywhere that strawberries are associated with Freya, but a lot of people associate strawberries with Freya. Um, so for me, I've been working with the Morrigan and I work with crystals a lot and I have, come to understand that rubies are really important to the Morgan and you can just buy tumbled rubies for a relatively inexpensive price. Um, so like I have one that I bought over a year ago that I've been using to work with her. But yeah, so it's kind of like this weird, sorry, this is a ramble, but it's just this weird ebb and flow where I knew nothing about this goddess a year ago and now I'm trying to deepen my relationship with her and she called out to me and you know, in my meditation, she's told me why she called out. You know, you can start from scratch. You can start from, you might, again, have a deity in mind. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I said, I, I thought I wanted to work with Gaia and Pan. That was, to me, for whatever reason in my mind, who I should have been working with, these these earth deities. Um, and it didn't end up working like that for me. So um, there's, there's a lot of different ways to find the right mm -hmm. deities for you. And also to remember that your pantheon might change over time. So you might discover yourself very closely with a specific deity for a few years and your life changes and therefore your maybe need or relationship with that deity changes as well. Um, and all of a sudden you're working with someone else and you go, oh, I, I, it's not that I don't still respect that deity or I don't still work with them. It's just, um, you know, relationships change over time. And I think it's important. And I think that's probably the way that we mm -hmm. work with deities is not that they are people, but that you do have a working relationship with them rather than um, like a worship practice. Rather, You know, we're not putting up temples to, um, mm -hmm. to Diana or anything like that. And seeing a specific deity as a all powerful, omniscient 
uh, being. So that's, that's definitely an option if that is your choice, if that works for your practice. Uh, but there's, there's so many different ways to work with deities, so many different deities to work with. Um, this episode was really just to kind of get you started, pushed in the right direction. Um, if you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, we would love to hear from you. Um, Katie, did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, we might do some episodes branching off of this because we were talking and you could, you know, there's all sorts of different paths that you could take discussing this. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, it's really just however you want to work with it. And also, yeah, it's not necessarily worship. It, I don't know, at least from Missa and I, it's, um, you know, just kind of working with these energies and these archetypes to kind of deepen your spiritual understanding and to um, deepen your spiritual practice and also help yeah. yourself a little bit, if that's a good way to say it, or like understand yourself better. Um, cause like with the Morgan, she reached out to me because I have anger issues. Basically that's what she told me. And she's like, you have this rage inside you. And I think her intent is to help me redirect my rage into kind of a more, um, productive place and own my sovereignty and to maybe like use my anger to better myself yeah so but it's also like that's apparently i was so angry she just the goddess of war decided she needed to talk to me so that's uh that's an entire other thing but um yeah but it's that's just an idea of like you can kind of use these cyclically cyclically it's not as though you know i'm going out and you know making offerings to her right now or something it's just we're going to work yeah. with each other and see how it goes. All right. So again, so, yeah. if um, you want to tell us about your own practices, uh, you can always reach out to us. Or if you want to tell us about maybe something that we didn't talk about today, or if there's something that you want to hear about in a future episode, definitely reach out to us. Katie, do you want to let them know how they can uh, get a hold of us? Yes, you can email us at babywitchpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at yeah. Pod. All right, everyone. We will talk to you in two weeks on the next Magical Monday. Bye.